What's up, college football fans, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Cover 2 College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smithson, joined, as always, by my co-host, the Oakey Longhorn himself, Dalton Chandler. Dalt, how are we doing today, buddy? We're good. We are good. We are in championship November, and I am in a position that I have not been in since 2018. Yep. Texas is in a hunt for a conference championship. I, I am also in a position that I have not been in as an OU fan in quite some time. Um, I, I say quite some time. Um, hey, hey, look at us. Yeah, right. Look, look at us. How the, how the <laughs> tables have turned, right? What, what, is, what, is, what does Michael Scott say on office? Oh, how the turntables. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, you know, you guys, your, your Longhorns are sitting pretty, control their own destiny. Um, big, you can't, one, big one this weekend. Can't ask for much more than that um, out of your team. You know, it hasn't obviously hadn't been a perfect season for you guys, but it's it's been good. It's been better than what it has been in <laughs> better, the past. Right. Um, and we're, we're obviously going to talk about Texas quite a bit today um, in our game previews, and then we're going to do – Little bit of uh, conference race races updates and projection projected finishes um, and you know we're gonna kind of get right into that um, we're gonna kind of go over all five of the power five conferences um, just basically the races where they are right now kind of how it looks like they might finish and basically kind of the implications that that may have just on the conference and even the playoff as a whole and. The first one that we're going to get right into, Dalt, is the Pac-12, and it's about as interesting as any of them. I would say the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are probably the two most interesting races. I mean, obviously, as far as national title implications, maybe not so much, but just the conference as a whole, like you have Big 12 has six teams. Pac-12 still, I think, has like five teams that can play for the conference title because they're, they're the two conferences that are taking the two best teams. They don't they have, don't have the divisions. divisions anymore. So a little bit different situation than uh, the other three Power Five conferences that we're going to talk about. But to get right into the big, the Pac-12, um, your five teams that really still remain in contention are USC, Oregon, UCLA, Utah. They all have one conference loss, and then you kind of have Washington hanging back there. Oregon's undefeated. Oregon's six yeah, right, in conference right. play. Oregon has yeah one loss, but none in conference play. And then Washington's sitting back there with two losses. Um, kind of needing some help. But they have a schedule in front of them that they could make some things happen. They play Oregon this week, so, you know, they they would need some help, but I, they still, I think, have an outside shot to maybe get that other spot, but very unlikely. Um, what, What's your thoughts? I mean... You know, going into the year, we didn't put a whole lot of respect on the Pac-12. We kind of wrote them off as, you know, probably the worst Power 5 conference. And we're, they're kind of making a case for maybe the third best conference I, in the I, Power 5. I have some crow to eat today, Dalt, oh, it's, um, it's, in general. I hope you and, have a big appetite because it's going to yeah, be As far as that, rough. that Pac-12 conversation, yes. Um, we, we were both kind of out on the Pac-12, and I think a lot of people were. Um, I mean, after week one, you're – Kind of your big your big hitter in Oregon gets just just bludgeoned. Yeah, and but then people tend to forget about that game. I guess we we forget about losses that happen. Which early I, in the I season. agree, Te- teams get better. But yeah, forty three points, Dalton. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, and we talk about that. We look at kind of the top dog in the conference in Oregon. They got 
kind of they definitely have the toughest, the toughest remaining schedule. Out. You know, they got Washington this weekend, and then they have Utah. Then they have Utah. Luckily, they get two Which, of the three at home. And even even Oregon State's not. They've been in the top twenty-five. Not a terrible team, but and it's a rivalry game, and right. it's on the road. Right. You know, and it's it's kind of interesting. You know, we don't really know what we're going to get because USC still has to play UCLA at the end of the year. Um. All right, you you look at basically you kind of look at their remaining notable games for all five teams, and yeah. so USC they still have to play UCLA and Colorado and Colorado. That's it. And that's it in the conference. They obviously have a big game with Notre Dame to finish the season, but that's a non-conference, so it really doesn't matter as far as the Pac-12 race goes. Um, Oregon, like we said, they have Washington and Utah. UCLA probably the clearest path because their only game that is really like of note that they're you know, potentially could lose. It's they play USC next week. And they get them at home. And then Utah still plays Oregon, and Washington plays Oregon this week. Um, but then you look at some of the teams that are in this conversation that have wins. Um, UCLA, they have wins over Utah and Washington. So that's kind of why you put them kind of, the- you know, Oregon's undefeated, but UCLA is still kind of in a driver's seat position as far as clinching one of those one of those two spots yeah because of those two wins over two of these five teams i think that their tiebreaker works like the big 12s i think that uh when there's a three-way tie just the way they initially rank it before everybody's played each other that it goes off of points yeah and right now usc i I tried to find it but well and i know the tiebreakers it makes my head hurt the the big 12s they do a round robin, and then if everybody's beat everybody in the round robin, we still don't have a clear ranking. They go to points per opponent. So, like, UCLA beat Utah by 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And then Utah beat uh, USC by, what was it, one? One or two? One. One? Yeah, on so, two-point conversion. So, they're still negative however many. Right. So if it goes to a three-way tie, Utah's in trouble because yeah. UCLA's plus and see however much. I I think that I read I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 is a little bit different because the Big 12 is round robin where the Pac-12 is not. Right. They still kind of play it like divisions, so you don't have a necessarily a situation where everybody plays everybody. So I Well, USC UCLA are all in the south, so I, that would kind of be a division. Breaker. But but there is a scenario where um, Utah has one loss, UCLA has one loss, and Utah and Oregon still play. Yeah. And so if Utah was to beat Oregon, that kind of dirties the waters. Yeah. Then you have four teams. Well, you would and, end up with and three so teams then you know USC you have USC kind of hanging out there. So you don't know what's going to happen between them and UCLA. But USC and Oregon don't play each other. No. So you don't have that. So it it, it gets interesting. I mean. This, like I said, between this conference and the Big 12, it's definitely uh, the two. They're the two, like I said, the muddiest water that is, you know, these last couple of weeks are really, you're really going to have some interesting football, some interesting outcomes. Um, and it basically comes right down to the wire. And, you know, if if I had to project who I think is going to be in the Pac-12 championship, if I was being totally transparent with myself I really think it's gonna be Oregon and UCLA a rematch 
And the reason I think that, I, I think UCLA has a good chance to beat USC next week. And I don't think they're going to lose another game. Now, if they could lose that game very easily, and I'm not trying to knock on USC, I just think what UCLA does with the football, and that's a game that we'll obviously talk about probably next week, um, I think they're going to give USC a lot of problems. And USC's defense is bad. Yeah, it's 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 been a problem. The offense has been really good for USC, so it'll be it'll be an interesting game. It'll probably be one of them seventy-seven to seventy-three games that we've seen happen, where there's just no defense and it's just a track meet. Right. So, I guess as we kind of do this, you know, I said UCLA and Oregon. Th- who who would you project? I would think it was going to be USC and Oregon. USC and Oregon. I I, th- I think I, USC beats UCLA. I think those are your three really that. That you kind of yeah, I think I think Utah has a little bit tougher stretch. They have to go to Eugene, so I don't really see them coming out. No, I think I think Oregon will go untouched. Yeah, in the next well, they're playing two weeks. They're playing probably as good a football as really anybody in the country right now, outside of Georgia. Yeah, and and so the the chances of Oregon losing a game, obviously it's possible, but like you said, it, there's a good chance they beat Utah. Um, they're probably going to handle Washington this week, I would think. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was kind of, that, that's the Pac-12. It's, it's, we, we kind of want to start it off crazy, um, with, with some interesting scenarios. I mean, I, we could sit here and go over maybe every little thing that could potentially happen, but oh, we may be, be here. here for five hours. Right. Cause and, then, then we'd have to go yeah, on to the big 12. Yeah. yeah. Where we'd be here for another five, five hours. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you like USC and Oregon to make it. I, I, I like UCLA, Oregon, I it could very easily be USC, Oregon. Um, and the Pac-12, a lot like the Big 12, which the Pac-12 has more teams that are going to vie for a playoff spot than the Big 12, but I think ultimately b- both conferences might destroy their, themselves. Right. There, there's a pretty good chance pretty of that happening. Pretty good chance of um, neither one of them getting in. So, yeah, we'll, we'll move on here. And, and this next one we're going to talk about, it's a little bit more cut and dry um, to an extent. And that's the ACC. I mean, you're more than likely going to have Clemson versus North Carolina for your your ACC title game. Um, they both control their own destiny as far as their respective divisions, the Coastal and the Atlantic in that conference. Clemson is likely going to win out based on their remaining schedule. They played Louisville, South Carolina, and Miami. Um, all three of those teams, not not real tough. No. Um I think that they maybe go to South Carolina, so that could maybe be kind of a – it's a rivalry game, but that's a game that they've totally dominated for the better part of like a decade. South Carolina's not in the ACC. Well, that, yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, Miami, terrible. Awful. I'll tell you I'll tell you what. I mean, Clemson's got a two, two-game lead on everybody – or on second and third place. They have head-to-heads over both of those. And with only two – conference right. games remaining they're they're a lock Clemson's yeah. a lock um UNC they have a two game lead they're 5 and 0 in the Atlantic they still play Wake Forest and North Carolina State but they've already beaten Duke who is second in the coastal so it's it's pretty well locked up that it's going to be North Carolina and Clemson I think North Carolina's they play Georgia Tech and 
as their third one. And and even they they play NC State and Wake, but even if they were to lose those games, it doesn't doesn't matter matter in their division. Right. So they're basically shoe-ins for the conference title game. So this is a little – Mac Brown versus Dabo in the ACC championship. It's it's a lot like the next conference that we're going to talk about. Um, And and so, you know, I would say we both would say it's pretty easy to – Thank Clemson versus North Carolina for the ACC title. Yeah, I mean it's and that could be that's a lot. It's an interesting game. game. I, I mean North Carolina scores a lot of points. Yeah, and Clemson, Clemson does doesn't, <laughs> but Clemson also doesn't give up a lot of points, and North that's Carolina true. does. They they give up a lot of points to Notre Dame. Yeah, oh, somehow I told you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, give me some skin, baby. You I got you a Notre Dame win. <laughs> yeah, that that game we we will talk about that game. Um, interesting. Interesting happenings in South Bend this weekend. Um, so moving on, like I said, not 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 a lot of interest there in the ACC. I I think there's a good chance that the ACC may get left out of the playoff this year. I think there's. Uh, I think it's a lock that they are. Now. I think. I think. I think Clemson getting beat's a lock that they're. they're yeah. Clemson's not getting in with one loss, not with as bad as they've looked all year. Right. I mean, the playoff as a whole is. A whole, it's a real interesting conversation this year with with a lot of scenarios. The the committee is going to have their hands full, but um, that's something that we may talk about later on. You know, maybe before the the final rankings come out. Uh, so moving on, um, you have the Big Ten, and this is kind of like <laughs> the favorite child and the ugly stepsister. Of uh, as far as you look at the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West, because you have you have your juggernauts Ohio State and Michigan, which is going to be the deciding factor of who right. who, who wins that division, uh, who wins the whole conference, and who yeah who wins the conference. But then you you slide on over there to the the Big Ten West, and you got I guess Illinois is is probably going to be the the team to represent there. Well, let's see who let's see who Illinois's got left. I mean, I think that. You know, they still play Purdue, I think. Oh, yeah, they play Michigan, too. But that's opposite division, so. Well, I'm, and they, okay, they beat Wisconsin. So, I mean, they're. they're so, they're, Purdue. Yeah, is, Purdue. Is the only, their only team that could right. jump them. So, likely, Purdue doesn't look very good right now, either. I, I think they just lost a game that, I, I'm trying to think who they. Three and three. Yeah, Purdue got beat 24 to three by Iowa, so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> eh. I'm not high on Illinois, Dalt, but um, I, I think they may may be able to handle pr- that Purdue team. And this is a Purdue team that a lot of people thought was kind of yeah they had a chance they, yeah. of winning the West. Yeah, they have the the good quarterback. Can't think his name's escaping me at the moment. You know, I seen a really interesting stat. Now that we're looking at the Big Ten West, do you know what teams were before they played Nebraska? I was actually going to talk about. <laughs> I was. I just saw it was like a Brett McMurphy tweet. Yes, the 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 Husker hex is yes. what I think he called it. Yes, I did see this, but if you, if you have it, I'll I'll pull it up. I uh, uh, I saw this right as I was pulling in to the house, and I thought, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Sadly, my team that I root for is is a part of this. That is not a lie. Uh, I I've got it here. If you don't, yeah, go ahead. So, this is basically teams before and after playing Nebraska. Um, you start with Northwestern. This was first week zero. They were 0-0. Um, they're now 0-8 following playing Nebraska. Have not won a game since they beat the Huskers <laughs> in Ireland. 
They stayed uh, in Ireland. They so, didn't come home. So then you move on to Georgia Southern, who went into that game one and zero, beat Nebraska. They have gone three and four since. And then you come to Oklahoma, who just almost wiped Nebraska off the face of the earth. And Lincoln, they improved to three and zero, and they have gone two and four since. Uh, <laughs> Purdue was four and two going into that game. They're zero and two since. Illinois was six and one. They are zero and one now, and so then now Minnesota was five and three. So they have not played a game yet. But um, overall, before this game, opponents are eighteen and six, and after they are five and nineteen. So it's almost like <laughs> polar opposite. Uh, so it's like you just expend everything to beat Nebraska. He said in his tweet, "All worlds collide Saturday when two teams that Nebraska." that beat Nebraska will play in Minnesota and Northwestern. So something's got to give Dalt. Uh, the, the, maybe the hex will be broken For because somebody. these teams are meeting each other finally and playing. But that, that is crazy. I, I literally saw that maybe 10 minutes ago, and I thought, wow. I had, I had seen somebody earlier in the season, like it was after OU had started to fall off because of Georgia Southern and uh, Northwestern having bad years. They were talking about this, and it's kind of just – continued so it, it's it's kind of crazy um but nebraska not not a team that's in contention for no, the uh, no no there's they're, they're done um but you know we'll, we'll get we kind of got off track there but it, that was just an interesting deal the the michigan ohio state game is going to decide who yeah. who, who the big 10 winner is right and that these, team's probably going to go 13 and 0. right these two teams are just head and shoulders above everybody in their yeah, I mean Penn State's okay, but they beat both of them, right? But or both of them have beat them, so Penn State's out. Well, and that's I I mean, Penn say, State's a solid team. Yeah, I say head and shoulders. I know both of these teams have struggled with games. You know, Ohio State struggled with Northwestern. But Even the, the the Big Ten's bad. It's 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 really, really bad. It's really not. It's I mean, you look at at both of these divisions, and once you get past Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, you have Penn State, good football team, but after that, I mean, Maryland's okay, but, I mean, they're not going to compete with either. I mean, I know they gave Michigan kind of a game, um, but then the West is just awful. The, I mean, it's – I mean, you got the, – the best record is Illinois at 7-2, and two, and after that, the best record's 5-4. and four. Yeah. I, I mean, and it'd be one thing if these teams maybe were all ranked, which you kind of have that situation in the big 12 where you have some teams that have been ranked good teams that, you know, their record, they've kind of beat up on each other. This is not really that scenario. Well, and that's the thing. If you put these, if you put the big 10 into a round Robin format, it would, it, I think it would be a kind of an easier spread. If Michigan and Ohio state had to play each other twice, they'd probably split that game. Right. So, I mean, you, you might as well pick, who's going to win the game. Right, to win instead the conference. Of, instead yeah. of who's going to win, who's going to play in the conference championship game. Because the chances, I mean, Illinois is probably going to make the West, and the chances of them winning that game would be like one in a million. Oh, yeah. It would, so, it would be bad. Basically, yeah. If you're, the, if you're, they'll, they'll be three score dogs in that yeah. game. Yeah, so if you're betting on the Big Ten, you might as well. Uh, bet in the East. Yeah, bet on Michigan or Ohio State. So, moving on. um, I think I had the Big 12 next, but let's talk about it last because it's kind of the most interesting. Uh, so we'll move on to the SEC. And the SEC, it, it is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, it's it's the, it's pretty well cut and dry. The East is it's cut and dry to an extent. 
Um, you have two teams in each division right now, LSU and Georgia, that they control their own destiny. Right. Because LSU has beat the other two teams that lead in their division in Alabama and Ole Miss. And then Georgia has beat Tennessee. They still play Kentucky, but Kentucky doesn't really have a chance to make the conference title game, even if they were to beat Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I just just looking at it, LSU has a two-game lead over Alabama. They can lose two games before they before they lose their tiebreaker status. Because if they lose one, they still have the head-to-head. The second one would cost them. I don't think they play two people on their schedule that's going to beat them. I mean, they play Arkansas and then LSU or Texas A&M are their last two games. Yeah, because I mean LSU's two losses are to Florida State and then the other ones to Tennessee, but it's not in the division. Yeah, it's not in division. So they haven't lost a divisional game, and they beat Bama and Ole Miss. So the the only place they could get into trouble is if Ole Miss beats Alabama, wins out, and they slip up to say. Arkansas this Arkansas. week. Arkansas. That would be the only one I would give them. Really interesting line in a game that we're going to talk about. Yeah. and But it's it's just, you know, we don't really – the West is competitive. Oh, yeah. The, the East was more competitive than we thought. Yeah. Well, than for most of us thought. You know, we didn't really know. We thought Kentucky maybe would have a better showing. I always knew Tennessee was going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they I looked do. really good on Saturday. Hey, they looked really good every week before that. Yeah, but Georgia is just Georgia. I mean, yeah. congratulations, Kirby Smart. We will no longer question you. Could could Georgia be potentially taking over the mantle of Nick Saban? Is it is it too early to say? No, I mean, I Paul Feinbaum said this is the worst coaching job Nick Saban has done at Alabama. Well, did you hear that on first take yesterday? I, I did, and. I don't know. I think that once he kind of gets his offensive coordinator hired somewhere else, they're going to be better. And their defensive coordinator, I don't really know that anybody wants him. So he might be getting the axe. Golding? Yeah. Come to you. <laughs> I, I'm sure you take him. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Feinbaum was talking about, you know, this year more than ever, the – and we're, I'm not going to try to get off track talking about Alabama, but um, – their, their skill position, it's not that they're bad at the skill position. They're not as good as they've been. They just don't have Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. Like right. the Gibbs kid is a great he's I great. Mean, he's no he's doubt the, their, he's best, the best weapon. their best skill position guy. But I mean at wide receiver, do they really have a guy that you just no, that you, you know fear. a household name? No. I mean the Burton kid. And, and so But he's too worried about clothesline and Tennessee fans. <laughs> and so so you Feinbaum brought up the point of Saban missing on Jordan Addison and letting him, you know, go out to USC. And Feinbaum said, you know, how much of that's out of his control because of the NIL stuff that was supposedly involved with USC. And, you know, I know he was heavily talking to Texas too um, with his, you know, the former coach there at Texas now. Um, But, and that's a good point. I mean, but you kind of see that now. Bryce Young, he's kind of doing everything he can, but, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's not easy to to just, well, yeah, because there. I mean, there's there's been times that he's hit guys in the hands and they've dropped it, right? Or he's got it to a guy in space and they've not made a guy miss like former players, former wide receivers would. So it it's you hate to say that Alabama's less talented than anybody, 
but they're not as talented as they have been yeah, they're in not years past. Quite as what they they're the, not up to their their the scales are starting to level a little bit. It, it would seem that way. And maybe if you it, put it, Alabama and Georgia on the scale, it seems like yeah, it seems like every time you say that though, Saban will roll out a fifteen and zero team that's like unstoppable the next, the year, next yeah. year. So I, I'm not going to jump off that train until he probably walks. They're going to go eleven and one next year. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, we're we're not going to get off on a Alabama tangent. Um, so as far as the SEC goes, I think we both would probably agree LSU it's, it's and Georgia, Georgia and LSU, and things could get very interesting for the playoff committee if if LSU found a way to win this. First two lost team in the in the I playoffs. I don't know. I don't know. Now they say I conference championships matter, but I, conference championship, and then you look at head to head. But we'll talk about it. We'll we'll get into it later. Well, we're, we're maybe, talk, maybe, we're, maybe not today, but if if it happens, we will talk about it. Yeah, well, so, we, we can talk about it when we do the college football playoff. There's not a whole lot of news we've got this um, week, so that takes us to our Big Twelve situation. And it, to say it, it is a situation, it is might be the situation. understatement of the century, because you currently still have six of the ten teams that could potentially make it to the Big Twelve championship. Now. Again, like I pointed out with the Pac-12, this doesn't necessarily have huge playoff implications because right now there's only one team in the Big 12 that can make the playoff, and they have to win out to do so. Um, So the the team with the clearest path is obviously TCU. Right, they're unbeaten, number four They could even make the championship if they lost their next three games. It would be very unlikely. They would need need things to happen, but it could happen. Uh, But – Basically, and I'm pretty sure if they win one of these next three games, they're, they're in. Yeah, so they're locked in. So all they have to do is win one game. And I think they play Iowa State at the end of the year. I think that's their uh, final game. It's yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, because I, I think they go to Texas this week, to Baylor, yeah. and then in or at home against Ames because they made a big deal about oh, Sonny Dykes, you don't have to leave the state of Texas. Yeah. And and so, they're kind of out there on their own. You know, obviously, they have everything in front of them as far as Big 12 title, even the playoff. The next team to kind of bring into the equation would be your Texas Longhorns. They are sitting at 4-2 and two in the conference after a huge win last week at Kansas State. And, you know, they also – you got tough, kind of a tough schedule ahead, but you do have two of your next three games at home. Um, but basically, you win out, you're in. Yeah, that's that's the, all you got to do is win. And simple. Texas wins the next three so games; they're in. You absolutely control your own destiny 100%. as far as making the Big Twelve championship. Um, now there are some scenarios where you lose a game. You you have the tiebreaker over Kansas State. You, you the the t- the deal is is Kansas State still has to play Baylor. Right. If you lose to TCU this week and Baylor beats Kansas State, Kansas State and you have three losses. All you have to do is beat Baylor and you're in. Right. And. And so, like, right now you're looking at it, and Baylor's kind of in the same position as Texas, where if, if they went out, they're in. They're in. Yeah. And so, realistically, this is not as muddy as you think, and what it's probably going to come down to is y'all's game against Baylor is basically going to be the decider. a play-in for the Big 12 championship game. And I, that, that I, team – I would think. That team that wins that game is probably going to play TCU in the championship game. So – Kansas State goes to Baylor, plays West Virginia, then Kansas. But so and but I if get, Texas loses and then Baylor loses and Kansas State wins out, Kansas State would be 
the only two lost team left, and they would go. So where, where it gets kind of interesting, and, and we're just going to talk about this, it's not going to happen. Oklahoma State, let's just – they need to win out, obviously. They would need to win out. Yeah. And they would hope only one team finishes better than 6-3 and three in the league standings. They own tiebreakers over Baylor and Texas – they would need Texas or Baylor to finish. But not TCU, Kansas, or Kansas State. Yeah. Kansas wins out. Is Kansas in? So, Kansas. <laughs> Kansas, it says here, they have one of the simplest roads to the Big 12 championship. they got to win their final three games, and Baylor needs to lose twice. So, it's really not that, it's really not that, not that unreasonable. Yeah. So, if Kansas wins out, and Baylor loses to TCU and, and Texas. Texas. Kansas they're in. Is in. Jayhawks. Rock chalk. Uh, I cannot. It's kind of crazy to think we're here on uh, 4:30 on November 9th, 2022, and the Kansas Jayhawks are alive and breathing for the Big 12 football championship game. And the Oklahoma Sooners are not. Right. Right. <laughs> um, salt in the wound. I appreciate that. Thank a little you. twist kick in me, the knot. Just kick me while I'm down. I appreciate that. You've kicked me while I've been down for the last 10 years. I got to get them in. I'm not that bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, but, you know. Um, it's it, There's a lot of stuff that could happen. Right. It's it's just cra- craziness. I mean, we didn't really go over, like, Kansas State. Um, but, no, we kind of did. Kansas State would just need – to win out and then yeah they they don't really control their own destiny. Um, the, if they win out and Texas loses a game, then they're in. Right. So, I guess ultimately, right now, if you had to pick a Big Twelve team, who who would you say are your two teams? I, I think it's obviously pretty clear. I I would think who your two teams would be. I think TCU and Texas and, are the and two teams. I think right now, based on how both of those teams are playing. Texas is probably playing better football than TCU. I mean, not, I don't say better, but I, I I would pick those two teams as well. Yeah. I, I think Texas is, out of all these teams, Texas is definitely the most talented. Um, I think they're playing pretty good football right now. And then TCU just being in the position they're in, they would have to royally just screw, screw up, up to not get it. To not make it. And so likely, as crazy as this all sounds, none of these scenarios, kind of like with the playoff, it's stuff that's probably really not going to happen. It's just more fun to talk about. Um, it's going to probably be Texas and TCU um, playing for the Big 12 title down in Arlington. Um, but, you know. A lot of stuff can happen. You the, never know. The Big 12's a pretty level playing field. This I, I'm year. not going to count out Texas to just totally just disappoint to, you. To, yeah, completely screw the pooch. Yeah, I mean, it's they, – it's, They are my Longhorns, and I am well-versed in that. They're that, pretty, they're pretty that, good at that, doing that, that last, to you, dog. That last drive at Kansas State, I just knew they were going to score you and go puckered. for two. Hey. Like a, like a – you couldn't have put a hot needle. Uh-uh. Buttered up hot needle. Uh-uh. I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting there, and we're, we're – we built a little fire and had the TV out. On the back in the backyard watching the game, and first half we're up thirty-one ten. I'm just like, yeah, and then gets close, and my beer turns <laughs> no. into, my beer turns into the whole bottle of wine that we just opened. <laughs> You're just preparing for heartbreak, right? I'm just like, I know they're going to score and go for two. Yeah, you just know they're going <laughs> to go for two. You just know. Um, but anyway, we, we just kind of you know, like Dalton said, we we didn't have a whole lot of news as far as you know weekly stuff, so we wanted to kind of touch on that with a couple weeks remaining there's still a lot of things that can happen amongst these power five conferences the, the only conferences that people really care about and so with that Dalt, we're going to kind of get into a 
we're going to get into a, I guess, towards the end of the year, we'll update our Heisman watch here. And we'll kind of go through this fairly quickly. Um, there's there's several names. Um, and, you know, I have C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Hendon Hooker, Drake May, Max Duggan, Blake Corum, and Bo Nix. I think another name you could potentially add to that based on how he performs the next three weeks is your guy at Texas, B. John Robinson. He, he, I think he could – he can, I don't standing. I don't know that he can – make a push to win, but he can definitely make a push to get invited to New York. Um, it's so hard for running backs to win anymore. Yeah, I mean, they got to have just become such a quarterback year. award, quarterback-driven award. But, you know, we'll look – get right into it and look at, you know, C.J. Stroud, probably right now I would say him and Caleb Williams, based on popularity, are probably your two front runners. Yeah. I would say C.J. Stroud just because of the team, the notoriety of Ohio State – um, but he's on the season so far, 169 of 249. He's got a 67.9% completion percentage. He's thrown for 2,400 passing yards, 29 touchdowns to four INTs, and he's got a 91.2 QBR rating, that's, quarterback rating. That's pretty good. That don't suck. That does not suck at all. And then, you know, Caleb Williams, he's having just – a pretty a pretty good year for not being out in the Pac-12. You know, you don't hear a whole lot about it because he doesn't really play on, like, primetime times or anything like that because being on the West Coast, the yeah, games start later. Midnight, right? Starting games at 10 o'clock here. I mean, he's thrown for a cool 2,700, 28 touchdowns to one interception with an right. I mean, 85.4 QBR. Yeah, you, you look at numbers and they're – they're about as similar as you get. He's obviously got more attempts, quite a few, quite a few more attempts and completions. Um, it's about fifty-ish to fifty-five, sixty. Yeah, he's, he's two hundred for three hundred sixteen. Um, but you got to account for he's also got almost three hundred yards rushing and four touchdowns on the ground. Right. So I mean, Caleb Williams kind of has that to where he does it with his legs too. You know, kind of a guy that you brought up this week that has been under the radar forever is the May kid. Right. You know, it's, we haven't really talked about him at all on the year. Kind of haven't talked about North Carolina at all. Um, It's the year he's having is just well, yeah, ridiculous. He's 222 of 312, 2,964 yards, 31 touchdowns to three picks, um, 71% completion percentage, 89.5 quarterback rating. Yeah, uh, and this guy's a freshman. Yeah, pretty good, really good. I mean, I think I think as far as those categories, I think his his completion percentage and his yards. I think yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage, I believe, is all first place as far as across the board. I'm pretty sure. Um, I just don't. He, I don't know that he's the best guy. I just think he's in a a good offense that they're just throwing it around a ton. Obviously, he's thrown it 312 times. Yeah. Um, the only one that's thrown more than him on this list is Caleb Williams, who in a Lincoln-Riley offense obviously throws the heck out of it. Um, just being on uh, North Carolina, I just – team's not good. I, as much as people don't want to admit, like, I mean, the most noteworthy guy to win the Heisman, like his team was good, but it's not a powerhouse team, is Lamar Jackson at Louisville. 
but they were really good that year. And I mean, but he, he had, was just like a generational say, guy. He, like he as far like, as running the football, throwing the football, total touchdowns, like he was unbelievable. Yeah, he he had like didn't he go for fifteen hundred <laughs> yards rushing that year? I would, yeah, I mean, it, and it, it was probably easily over a thousand. Yeah, probably over three thousand. And then passing he threw yards. for three thousand passing yeah. yards. I mean, and, I'm I'm sure. And it wasn't like it was just like against nobodies. I want to say that they battled Clemson down to the wire. Oh yeah, I saw year. I saw a, a highlight video of that game just the other day. They beat them. They got beat by like a touchdown. And it was because this guy didn't reach for the first, first down. down went out of bounds. Yeah. yeah, or got kind of pushed out of bounds. But uh, the other guy that is kind of placed himself into the conversation is TCU quarterback Max Duggan, who is just not. I wouldn't say quietly is having a good year. I mean, his numbers are they're they're right around all these guys. I mean, he's 166 of 200 of 244. He's thrown for 2400 yards. He's got 24 touchdowns to only two picks. Uh a 66% completion percentage, um 80.1 total quarterback rating. I mean, how many rushing yards does he have? Uh 200 only 282 yards. Okay, so not year. not not outrageous numbers like I thought he might have. I yeah, I mean I think they've protected him a little bit more um and let him kind of throw it around. It's kind of a different offense than what he's been in in the past with the new OC and Garrett Riley. Um and they they've got two really good backs there that they kind of lean right, on. Right, the the DeMarcado kid and uh Keandre Miller. Yeah. So he's obviously not asked to do that a ton, but the you know, you look at the 20, 24 touchdowns to two picks. I mean, you can't complain about that. No, he he's took care of the ball extremely well this year. Right, which is kind of something that has kind of plagued him in the past. So, I mean, right now, we you kind of talk about all those guys. Um, you know, talk about your guy, Bijan. I, I don't really know what his numbers are. I mean, Bijan's, Bijan's going to have to just, I mean, come completely unglued this weekend. And for the next three weekends, if he wants to get to New York and kind of stand a chance, you know, Bijan's almost rushed for 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. And the only thing that really helps him is he has 314 yards and two touchdowns through the air. I don't think that's enough. Right. I think he has to get closer to 2,000 all purpose. Yeah. So he in the next three games, three to four games potentially, well, he needs to find about eight hundred yards. I can I have a running back that I rooted for once, Dalton, that rushed for like almost two thousand yards and didn't win the Heisman because uh, he it, you know back then back freshman, freshman didn't win it. Win it. I, um, I, I I I know, but what I'm saying is it takes a lot for a running back, and there's another running back on this list that yeah everybody loves, and everybody's just like, why is he not getting talked about? And it's like it's a Michigan running back. Yeah, the Corum kid. Yeah, I mean. And he's a, he's got good numbers, you know, just under twelve hundred yards. Also, uh, he's got 16, sixteen touchdowns. I don't I don't think he's quite as versatile. He has thirty six receiving yards. Right, so he's like, not not as much of a versatile back as Bijan. There's you know? there's no way he, he there's no way his numbers right like he's a high touchdown it's, machine. It's just the brand. It's Michigan, and he he fits in know. he fits into their scheme. You could run any of the guys behind him, and get the numbers that he's getting because he's running it for – he's got 200 attempts on the year. Right. And so – I mean, six yards of carry isn't nothing to scoff at. I'm not I'm not trying to drag him for that. But he doesn't – if you were to tell me Blake Corm was the best running back in the country, I'd probably name three or four that were ahead of him. Right. 
and so yeah, I mean that that's kind of so that's kind of our, I guess, latter half of the season Heisman update. I mean, if if I had to put you on the spot right now to say who who do you think is going to win it, who would you pick? C.J. Stroud. I would. Yeah, I would. You con- know, Bo, I would concur. Bo Nix is having a great year. We didn't really talk about him. I think Hendon Hooker lost it at Georgia this weekend. I would agree. So and Stetson Bennett, he just not he doesn't have the touchdown. Right, touchdown numbers to get into that conversation. He's just kind of been a game manager, so you know it's. I think I think it's really down to about two guys. I think yeah. C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. Whoever finishes the best, I think is going to win it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so with that, I guess we'll get into our. We had some new rankings drop this yes, past uh, evening. On on Tuesday, um, if if you want to get into our top twenty five read, I will let you take the floor. All right, number one, we have a new number one who was previously number three for some reason in Georgia after they just smash Tennessee at home. Ohio State moves up to two, Michigan at three, TCU moves up to four, Tennessee drops from the one spot to five, Oregon makes a huge jump to six. LSU moves from 10 to 7. USC moves up to 8. Alabama drops from 6 to 9. Clemson drops from 5 to 10. Ole Miss stays idle at 11. UCLA at 12. Utah at 13. Penn State at 14. North Carolina moves up to 15. NC State is at 16. The Tulane Green Wave, number 17 overall at seven, or at 8 and 1. Texas jumps into the top 20. At 18, Kansas State falls to 19 after their loss. Notre Dame goes from unranked to number 20 after handling Clemson. The Big Ten West leading team in Illinois is at 21, UCF at 22. Florida State creeps back into it at 23, Kentucky at 24, and Washington at 25. So... Um, I've got a few problems, but nothing, you know, nothing, nothing that I would say is major. I don't know why USC is at eight and UCLA is at 12. I don't agree with that discrepancy in those two teams. They have a common opponent in Utah. One's beat them and one's lost to them. One has beat them and one's lost to them. UCLA has a better loss, if you want to call it that, to Oregon. To Oregon, yes. I can get behind you ranking USC higher, but you're gonna have to UCLA, UCLA should be higher than twelve. It should be if you want to put USC at eight, UCLA should be at like nine. Yeah, and uh, I don't uh, like Alabama really, and Clemson should have fell out I, of the top. Yeah, 10. I don't like either of them being in the top ten, and, I, and that's not to crap on Alabama and Clemson, who both have been like the class of college football well, the last five to ten years. But it for for me, if they're looking at the rankings, their knock on TCU last week when they had them ranked at six they've was been they, behind. They fell behind. Yet, ironically enough, Dalton Clemson has fell behind what? a lot more than TCU has. What was TCU doing last week against Texas Tech? They were behind the whole game. Yeah, and they jumped three spots. I mean, 
I don't mind where TCU is at right now. I, I think, but I think it's that, like you literally said that about TCU last week, and then you run them up, and then there. you do it after they trail basically the whole game. Texas Tech, yeah, doesn't make sense. It's like being and redundant. I have to hurt another starting quarterback to and, finish that game. And so where I'm going to eat some crow is LSU. I'm just Brian Kelly, LSU fans. I know we don't have any probably LSU fans that listen, but I'm I'm sorry. We might have one. I I. Uh, I said they shouldn't have been in the top ten. Beat Bama. Good for you. Control, you know, looks like you're going to win the SEC West. Props to you. Number seven team in the country. Well deserved. But outside of that, I mean, you get past 12, uh, you know, I don't I don't have any real issues. I mean, not North Carolina, they don't really have a whole lot of really good wins to move them up. There's a lot of good seven and two teams. Kind of surprised Baylor didn't creep into the rankings, just a little bit. Like I, I just thought they might be twenty five, twenty four. I'm not saying that I thought that they deserved it. Like yeah. Not after their win. I just being six and yeah. three, like still in the Big Twelve race. I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd been ranked. Um, I am kind of shocked that Notre Dame jumped all the way to twenty. From being unranked. I knew they would come back into the top 25, right. but I, just, I, didn't I didn't think, think they 20, would jump that I don't necessarily maybe think that that's too high. It's just I, I didn't think that they would be there. But Well, and, and like we've talked about, anything after 12 again this week is just rankings for teams to have a resume. But I do think one of your key things to look at here as far as the SEC, Tennessee stays ahead of LSU. Who they have that head-to-head win over? Yeah, yes, exactly. LSU could win the conference, but Tennessee can't. Well, yeah, that's and that's what you're going to get into. What if Georgia gets beat by LSU in the conference championship? Right. Then you're going to have a one-loss Georgia with a head-to-head over Tennessee, and then you're going to have Tennessee with a head-to-head over LSU, who's a two-loss conference champion who just beat Georgia. Right. And and then you're going to have probably a one-loss Michigan, one-loss Ohio State potentially a one-loss or no-loss TCU. I don't think that any of that happens, and then you could potentially have a one-loss Pac-12 champion. Yeah. So that's a – I mean – It's a bridge we may just cross when we get to it. Oh, oh it, it, I, I want chaos. Right. I, I, want, I want it to be just an unholy storm of fire. So with that, that's our top 25 read. Uh, we're going to get right into it, so we don't go all night here. Um, we have week ten review. You done with AP or yeah, the, yeah, the I'm CFP? Good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I just didn't have a lot of problems. I mean, no, I mean it's um, our week ten review. Dalt, we both went three and three on picks yet again. I think we went three and three last week. We're we're pretty good at going five hundred. Um, may need to disagree a little bit more. Something might change. Um. So our first game that we talked about last week, so our first game we're going to review is Baylor goes to Norman and defeats the Sooners. Uh, they do cover plus three and a half. Um, they win 38-35. And what was, you know, as far as just uh, if you're an average fan watching a college football game, it was fairly entertaining, kind of a back and forth. I mean, Baylor Baylor pretty well led the whole game, but it was close. Um, as an OU fan, this was pretty painful to watch for it, me. I mean <sighs> – we talked about this game and kind of what I led me to take Baylor was what Dave Aranda was going to do and he was going to run the football. And OU's run defense has been suspect all season. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of 
he threw a little bit of trickery in there to get it going. I don't think the shaping kid had just a great game. No, they didn't. They didn't throw for a lot of yards. They, I mean, but they didn't really try. And I mean, that's one thing. OU's pass defense really the last over the last few weeks hasn't been bad. Um, they haven't gotten beat on the deep ball a ton. Yeah. Um, they've been, you know, they've covered pretty well. Uh, but like you said, the stopping the run was the problem in this game. They couldn't do it. Um, you had guys filling the wrong gaps. I mean, it, it's just not good football. And that's, you know, then on top of that, you turn the ball over four times, three uh, three interceptions, and then a turnover on downs on a play that should have been converted. But you, I think you have the wrong guy in the backfield, just yeah. my personal opinion. I'm not the coach. but it, it, never, it never made sense to me why I call a fourth and one play. And if you're running the Wildcat, I get it, but why is his first two steps sideways? Well, if you're running wild running the Wildcat, why is your second string running back taking the snap? I don't know. I, I mean, especially uh, with when you when you have a guy, Brayden Willis, Eric, Eric Gray, that is pretty elusive. I well, mean, and then they've had the Willis kid running right. He ran it really well against Texas, and so I could sit here and talk about this game all day, Dalt. It's really frustrating. I'm really frustrated with OU fans right now. Well, uh, I'm frustrated as a whole. And we've talked about this, Tim. You know, um, a lot of these younger OU fans haven't ever had this. Well, even I haven't really had it. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's tough to, tough to be ha- tough to be happy when your standards are what OU's have been. Well, I- I'm just disappointed in when the, a game like this occurs. One of the first fingers get pointed at the quarterback and the offensive coordinator and the interceptions. And yes, that is part of what cost them this game. Well, one of them was his fault, a hundred percent. And and then you know you, the tip ball one that you could put that on him, you could not put it on him. It goes either way. And then the you like you mentioned the play that the receiver was damn near tackled. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I, I'm just tired of at, at what point. Are we as a fan base going to not be okay with elite quarterback play overshadowing bad defense when ultimately that's not going to get OU where they need to be? No, and you, and that's the problem that they're having right now because what Venables is trying to instill is a balanced, complementary, disciplined football team, and that's not what they are in any way. Nope. The and defense, so the defense is not there until that happens. You know, we'll see. But again, I'm not going to rail on OU. We got other games to talk about. Baylor covers. That was a win for you. Loss for me. I took my Sooners. Took took some faith on my own team, and it cost me. But it is what it is. Uh, our next game that we talk about is Clemson, who was a three and a half point favorite. Notre Dame covered that one easily, uh, hammering the Tigers 35 to 14 at home. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of this game. I know that Notre, Notre Dame scored maybe one or two defensive touchdowns, I think. They had the punt block for a touchdown. Right. And and so, you know, it wasn't like their offense just went up and down the field, but uh, they, they handled Clemson. And, yeah, it, it was ugly for, for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, it. I think Notre Dame's kind of finally found a little bit of an identity with the, uh, the Diggs kid at running back. He had a pretty big game for them. You know, they only asked Drew Pine to throw it 17 times for 85 yards. Right. But what we what do you need when you are playing a ranked team at home? You need oddball touchdowns. Right. And that's kind of what that's what they got. They had the 
blocked punt for a touchdown. And then they just kind of they had the 96-yard interception return, too. That, that was another defensive touchdown. Right. I mean, at that point, they're up 28 to nothing. Yeah, it, it, it was over what, pretty quick. What has been just a complete and utter terrible offense for Dabo? And I just – I don't know why in the world you would let DJ throw it 39 times. I was surprised that he didn't get pulled out of the game. You never did. You, did they ever pull it? Put in the Klubnik kid. He come in for one play and threw an interception. Beautiful. Oh, for one with an INT. And I don't know if that was maybe. Like I said, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know <coughs> who threw that interception. But I mean, well, n- nonetheless, Notre Dame just just put it on him. Yeah, and uh, what a great win for Marcus Freeman. He needed it. Got back on track, you know, like we said, Notre Dame back in the top 20. Um, and this is a game that, you know, you swayed me to take Notre Dame, and that's a great pick at plus three and a half. And so they, like like we said, they easily cover here, winning by 21 at home. And, yeah, I mean, Clemson kind of just derails their season for the most part. Yeah, there's no shot they get in the playoff now. And, and so – that was a win for both of us because we were both on Notre Dame there. And, and so our next game featured uh, NC State and Wake Forest. And Wake Forest was a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. And NC State said, nope. Winning this game 30-21 to 21 at home. And this is another game that, because of the other games that were going on, I didn't watch a whole lot of it. But um, – Sam Hartman's come back down to earth. Right. I mean, I think this is the second game in a row that he's had I mean, he three threw, interceptions. Yeah, he threw three interceptions. I mean, this was kind of a back-and-forth game early. Uh, you know, NC State went up 10-7. Wake went back up 14-10. NC State went up 17-14. And then NC State kind of took control, got up, you know, 27-14. And kind of never – they never trailed again. Um you know, I I don't have a whole lot on NC State. They're solid, just kind of a solid team that they play good defense. You know, this is a, a pretty powerful Wake Forest offense that they you know hold you hold to twenty one points. I mean, you can't you can't complain about that in kind of today's you know offensive college football. Um, but we were both on Wake Forest here, and that that was a loss for both of us. I I had kind of just given up on NC State After for the, the most part. Larry kid got the, hurt. Yeah, the the quarterback got hurt. Um, so we we were both kind of out on NC State, and you know, good for them. I mean, yeah, that, that's all you can really it's say. A, it was like a battle for second place in the that's, division, or not even second place. I think they're in third and fourth in the division. No, they're in second, third. Um, so, or no, third and fourth. That's right, because yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse. So this was a loss for for both of us. <laughs> kind of is what it is, right? I mean, thanks a lot, Sam Hartman. Yeah, thanks for throwing it to the other team. Guys named Sam letting us down, Dalt. What a surprise. I hate you. <laughs> hey, well, I got, yeah, I got one Brad, too. Sam Bradford, I know what you're saying. I get it, Sam Bradford. So, I'm sorry. I, Sh- it, shut up and re- read your I, notes. I'm, <laughs> I can't help myself. You'll like talking about this next game. Your Texas Longhorns, they go to Manhattan, the Little Apple, whew, and they defeat the Kansas State Wildcats, who tried to come storming back in the second half of this game. 
Uh, 34-27, they cover minus two and a half on the road. We both took Texas in this game, so this was a win for both of us. You know, Texas was in control at halftime. Yeah. 31-10. This game looked like it was over. I mean, they were doing whatever they wanted. Yeah, offensively. You know, Kansas State could not stop them. No, and that's – you. And I Sark, still, Sark found a way, like Bijan, like you get you get him you get Bijan on into the second level, he's gonna beat a safety nine times out of ten. I think Chris Kleiman screwed up. I think he should have played Will Howard. The Will Howard. Adrian Martinez did not look hundred percent to me. Well, I think what Kleiman And I think where you attack Texas right now is, the is in the secondary. Like I think y'all's run defense is pretty good. I, I mean, I you could argue that Texas might have the best run defense in the conference. Where I think Kleinman was uneased, and you kind of seen it, Texas put a lot of pressure on the pocket. Yeah. Texas did a really good job of like closing the pocket around yeah, even Martinez. Though, yeah, Kansas State. You, you got to experience the, yeah, the Kansas mean, State offensive line. I mean, they, ripping of jerseys off. Oh my gosh, they were they 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 do it every game. It's 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 bad. I'm they, telling you, every game they get away with it. It is what it is. I'm telling you, they got somebody that teaches them how to get away with it. Uh, like they have to. I mean, it's because they've been doing it for years. It's it, it was bad, but you know, I think he felt more comfortable with Adrian Martinez's legs than he did Will Howard's. Because fair enough. I mean, because there was a couple times that Texas, Texas obviously had, you know a more athletic team yeah. defensively. Texas like, Texas had would have sacked. Will Howard in a lot of the cases that Martinez got out of. I know there was one where he stepped through two tackles and ran for like 15 yards. And there was one where he gets hit by a defensive lineman and still scrambles out of it for like a 12-yard pass. Right. And, you know, it's just I, – I can see why you would say Will Howard because of how he's thrown the deep ball. But – well, hindsight's twenty twenty. He might have you might have played him, and he might have threw four interceptions. Right? Who, who knows? It's and you know, and Kansas State kind of found ways to stay in the game the way Kansas State does. Right. You know, Roshan Johnson. Do you know how many fumbles he has in his career? Could you not just see that coming? Oh, the whole time, he's, the whole time he's running, and that's all that DB. How somebody not at. like hollering at him? I mean, I'm sure somebody was, but, but I mean, in the moment, you're not going right. to do that. But yeah, do you know to. how many fumbles Roshan Johnson has in his career? Like probably three. One. <laughs> that one is his fumble. <laughs> I I just saw that guy running behind him, and he <laughs> raised his arm, and he's just, I mean, just bam, punch that ball out, and. It's a great play. Yeah, I mean, great play, and then the hit on Xavier Worthy to cause a fumble. I mean, that's just oh, he got Xavier exploded. Worthy. He looked like a Ferris wheel spinning in the air. And then, and then you know, Kansas State gets the lucky bounces. You know, Texas punches the ball loose, and their guy like swats it away yeah. from the Texas guy to and their guy. Two Texas two guys Texas dive guys. on it, and it squirts out of bounds. And then, and then after we, I had just I had just yeah. texted you and said, or in the group text on Twitter, and I said Adrian Martinez is going to fumble. And he fumbles. Well, then he does it again, so yeah. it didn't matter. So, I mean, I, I'm not mad at the way Texas played. I'm a little upset at play calling. I feel like Sark. Second half. Second he, half play yeah. calling. Sark kind of And that's two weeks, two weeks in a row. And that's that's what I was – we'll talk about that when we get to the TCU-Texas preview. But Texas comes away with a win, and that's that's the biggest thing right now. And that's a, that's a game that the last few years – They lose. Decade that you lose. Yes. That's – so – yeah, great great win for Texas. And like I said, we were both were on Texas at minus two and a half, so that was a win. And so going into our next game, that was LSU and Alabama. 
Wow, we were wrong. And uh, I hope Brian Kelly's been walking around with a wheelbarrow in Baton Rouge. To hold his the, nuts in. The, the last week because you score that touchdown to, to make it a one-point game, and then he says, you know what? Screw I'm going to let my players decide who wins this game, one play. And and, and that's the, the thing. Old, the old PTSD probably came out for the Bama fans oh, on the gosh. on the little out route to the tight end, kind of a little pick route, and there it was, same as old Hunter Renfro in the national title game, and I, the rest I, was history, 32-21. I don't understand how but defensive coordinators – LSU was going to cover regardless. Yeah, but, I mean, to win the game, you just you just you're just like let it ride, and I don't understand why coaches in the first overtime don't go for two, anyways. Yeah, because if you get the ball second in the first overtime, and you the other team scores, kick the field goal, you score and kick the field goal. The other coach is going for two in the second overtime. Right, like if he scores, he's going for two, because the way college football works now, it gets into the two point the two point, two point weird off. deal. Like yeah, yeah. so I mean. I don't understand why you just don't end it right there. And kudos to Brian Kelly because I immediately text the group and said, "Go for two. Oh yeah, like go for two. Why, what do you have I mean, to why, lose? Why not? You're. I mean, you know, they always say don't do it at home, but like I said, put put the ball in your guys' hands. Yeah. Don't let anybody else decide that game. You get it. You win. You don't. Hey, and you. Put, I let. I we put them all on the line. We gave it all we had. And we you put your best. Short. You put your best player in the position right. to do three things. He had that. I was disappointed it wasn't a quarterback draw. I understand that that is your go-to play, <laughs> and if I maybe, ever, maybe becoming too obvious, they he had the tight end rolling out that was just wide open. The Bama defender went around, yeah. instead of trying to undercut it. Well, and then the the kid they threw to, they put in motion, yeah, and, and then, then he moved he, him back. He goes back, right back. Yeah. And I mean, when that happened, I saw that happen, and it's like you knew, yeah, you that's knew what, what the play. That's was. what the play was. And then he had the hitch route that was supposed to be the pick, right? But then if those two are covered. It's hey, Jaden Daniels, go make a play. Yeah, go make a play. Yeah, which he did all night. Yeah, good, good for him. Right. Um, and then Bryce Young, man, poor dude. The, the the plays he made in this game, and then the one the one play he escapes that sack somehow, like a Houdini act, and then finds the guy wide open behind the defense. I mean, what a star! Uh, uh, I mean, that somebody's going to get a gamer in the NFL next year. I mean, you know, his stature it hurts him, you know, as far as his projectability. But I mean, the guy's just. Give He's him, a winner. Give, give him weapons, and you can see what he right, does. And give do. him a good offensive line. Right? I mean, I, I just, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. This was a loss for both of us because we, for I, I thought this would be like a kind of a statement game for for Bama, and I was not high on LSU. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Either. Obviously, and they're they're playing really good football. So we were both on Bama at minus thirteen and a half. So this was a big fat L, whether LSU would have won this or not, because they were going right. to cover. And you could tell that pretty early on that they were going to cover that 13-and-a-half pretty easily. Um, so that takes us to our game of the week, Dalt. Number one, Tennessee goes to Athens, and they did not turn the lights out hey, in Georgia. Hey, I, I told you what was going to happen. and uh, I called this. I Hendon, told you the mailman was going to deliver. Hendon Hooker may still be thinking about getting sacked by that Georgia defensive front. Uh, did you? See, they just—I mean, chaos. There was total chaos. They're still attacking them on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, 
Like he made the comment on something. We'll see y'all again. No, you won't. And, and they were like, they were like, are you coming back for another year? You're too yeah. old for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You see some of them in the NFL here. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're probably not going to see them again. I don't think Tennessee's going to make the playoff. I don't know that they deserve to because that, like we talked about last week, it's like a playoff game. Yeah. And you lose that game, get. The final score being 14 points does not indicate the, no, the absolute beatdown that took place in Athens, Georgia on Saturday. Um, Georgia dominated this football game. From from the kick. They took a team that was averaging like 51 points a game, and they scored one touchdown. Yep. Two field goals and a touchdown. Yep. Um, could not do anything. No, nope. they, they were just all over Hendon Hooker. I mean, yeah, and so there's, I mean, there's really just not a lot to say. I mean, like you said, the mailman delivered um, – this was a win for me. I took Georgia minus eight just to be different, um, and they do cover. You took Tennessee, which I understood they're they're like the best team in the country. I, I, I knew I could I could have saw right. You could have saw that game going good for Tennessee, but I the way it went, it didn't surprise me. No, not at all. It didn't surprise me either. I, I, and it's crazy they got Stetson Bennett's phone number and just blew him up all night. I mean. You don't think he just turned his turned phone his phone off? on silent and turned right. it over on his little nightstand and was like okay. going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, like, might have answered one of the calls and been like, "Oh yeah, okay, see y'all tomorrow." They'd be like, "Woo!" Be like, "Is your sister hot?" <laughs> uh, so that rounds out our week ten pre- uh, review. Um, like I said, we both went three and three. Eh, it was an eh kind of, week, a, but you know, for us. And, and a good weekend of college football, some good games. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that big games. game was kind of disappointing, Georgia-Tennessee. It was kind of disappointing because of just Tennessee getting kind of manhandled. But like I said, we both went 3-3, three and three, and so that's going to take us Dalt, right into our Week 11 preview. Uh, you're coming into this week. Your record improves to 31-25 and 25 overall. I am 27-30, and 30, so nothing really changed because, again, we both went 500. Um I'm going to do my best to be different, to maybe try and get back Just on track back here. In it. Well, but, I mean, I do pick first, so you do have that opportunity. Uh, our our first game features number 21, North Carolina. They come in at 8-1. and one. They're going to Wake Forest, 6-3. and three, And Wake Forest comes in as a three-and-a-half-point home favorite in this game. And I... I I know UNC's not world beaters or anything, but I don't really know why Wake Forest is favored. Well, it's because North Carolina's defense is atrocious. Bad. Yeah. And you expect Sam Hartman to start playing better at some point, maybe. But at the same time, can your defense <laughs> slow down Drake May? Exactly. Like, North Carolina's defense is awful, but Wake Forest is not great. No, and I'm gonna I'm I'm a little inclined to – Go with the whole former ball coach this week in North Carolina. I think that uh, I think Drake May is going to continue having success. They're going to put him in a position to throw the ball a lot, and he's just going to have to go make plays, and they trust him to do it. I'm going to completely just retract everything I just said and take Wake Forest minus three and a half, just to be different. Just to be different. I yep. You know what? I I can see it. I can see it. Uh, like you said, the defense, not good. Maybe Wake Forest bounce back game. I, I do think they're a good football team, but they're not great. And I I think that's kind of the same with North Carolina. So I, I could see Wake Forest winning this game by a touchdown. I mean, 
they almost beat Clemson. I like, mean, I, I, it's going to be tough for them to stop North Carolina for sure. But yeah, I'll, I'll take just to be different. Maybe get a game on you. I'll take Wake Forest minus minus three and a half. So you like North Carolina taking the Fighting Mac Browns at plus three and a half on he, the road. He has the best dance moves after big wins. Oh yeah, yeah. If that's what you want to call them. <laughs> So, I just think it's his arthritis acting up. That takes us into our second game, and this is a rivalry game, Battle for the Boot, I think is what they call it, mm-hmm. because the because it's the trophies like a state Louisiana. between Louisiana and Arkansas. It's a massive, huge gold trophy of the states. Um, number seven LSU, they come in at seven and two, going on the road to Arkansas, who's had a just massively disappointing season, coming in at 5-4 and four off a loss to Liberty, the Liberty Flames. Hugh Freeze the led. Fighting Hugh Freezes. Um, LSU a three-point favorite on the road. Give me LSU minus three. Same. I, <laughs> this I is mean, not even a debate. I mean, it's – it's. I mean, I, I could see this game maybe no. being kind of interesting because I feel like LSU might just – let down i could see it because you know they did get beat by florida state who's not very good but that was the first game of the season and right. arkansas is coming Fair. off of a bashing right which from liberty it could be you know a recovery you, you game. know maybe they overlook a maybe thing but maybe no, but no. yeah no I, yeah you, Ar- on, arkansas has been a complete letdown this season absolutely. even more so for me than were Texas they a preseason A&M. top 10 or top, top 15? 15 yeah or i think they were like 19 maybe no, I, don't know. I don't think they, they were top twenty five. They, they were top twenty for sure, because um, we kind of talked about how they were disrespected, and you know maybe they were spot on about it. But <laughs> I think they were wrong. Yeah, I mean that's for being completely honest here. I mean Arkansas's had a really down year. I I thought they would have a little bit more of a fight to them this year, kind of. I think the A and M game kind of just took it out of them totally. How they lost that game still now even now looking at it even more how they lost that game I do not know but. We both like LSU minus three here. I think that's a pretty obvious pick, and maybe it just seems obvious. Who knows? But I'll I'll take the Tigers with you at minus three. And so our next game is actually a non-Power 5 matchup, but it is a top 25 matchup. Number 22 UCF Knights come in at seven and two. They're going to the number 17 Tulane Green Wave, uh, who are eight and one. Highest rated or highest ranked group of five team right now. Um, looking like the, they have the best shot at a New Year's Six Bowl at this point. Um, Tulane comes in as a two-point favorite in this game. And now, I, I don't know a whole lot about these two teams. I know Tulane. I, w- I watched them play like one game against Kansas State. And then obviously, they played Oklahoma last year. I know they have the same quarterback, the Pratt kid. He's kind of a gamer. Yeah. And, you know, UCF is 100% driven by the John Reese Pumley kid. Right. Like, he's their leading rusher, and he's thrown for 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. But what just stands out to me is just this two-lane team, everybody kind of – kind of put everybody on notice whenever they went into Manhattan right, and upset Kansas State. Kind of bullied Kansas State. Yeah, and I think that uh, – I think you get UCF at home. I, I like I like Tulane in this game. Minus – what was it, three? Two. Two? Minus two, yeah. They're, they're going to win this game by at least, a, at least a field goal. Give me the Knights. 
Okay, I'm out. You're just you're just going against me here. Uh, I'm going to take UCF. I think they maybe have a little bit more talent and speed that could give Tulane some problems. I, I don't think that either. Like I don't think UCF's like a you know world beater by any means. This is not this is not your your grandfather's 2017 national champion UCF Knights. This is the fighting Scott Frost. This is not the Scott Frost led UCF, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to take I'm going to take the Knights at plus two, uh, just to be a little different. Maybe try to get a game on you. Um, so yeah, g- give me UCF plus two. So you like Tulane minus two. So we're we're being different this week, Dalt. Oh, I, I'm, 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 I'm sure going to get gonna, some I'm going to get some games back. I'm are you? Are you? I'm feeling good. Are, are you? This is you, this you, is what I'm holding out hope for, Dahl. This is all I've got we, right now. We are in week eleven, and you're risking your entire chance of catching me on on this week. Yep, that's what we're doing. So our fourth matchup of the week, another top twenty-five matchup, going to the Pac-12. You have the number twenty-five Washington Huskies coming in at seven and two. They are traveling to Eugene, Oregon, to take on the number six ranked Oregon Ducks, eight and one. Oregon comes in as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. And what has become – this is a pretty big rivalry game. Uh, These are border states in the Pac-12. I know their fan bases do not like each other at all. This is a game that Oregon has pretty well dominated over the last decade, decade and a half. Uh, Been a better program for the most part. Who who do you like here? That domination continues. I'm not saying that just because take a favorite, but – I mean, Oregon's probably the hottest team in the country shy of Georgia right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of discrepancy in that. But Bo Nix is playing out of his mind. They get him at home. That's a big spread, but I'm going to take Oregon minus 13 and a half. Michael Penix Jr., you want to hear his stat line? Yeah. 260 of 391 on the year for 3,232 yards, 23 touchdowns to five picks. Yeah, I mean, he slings it around. They don't, they, they're not shy about it. 3,000 yards? <laughs> Tim, they, that, they, that's I'm all they do. Qu- I'm starting to question. I was going to take Oregon, Dalt. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, they throw it around, but I mean, with all that said, give me the Ducks minus thirteen. And a half. Right, that's... I, it's and you, it's at Eugene. You see kind of what they did to UCLA, who handled Washington. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Oregon's Oregon's playing as good as anybody. I'm just shocked at those numbers. I just pulled that game up on my previewer here and I saw three thousand. I was like, what in the world? Um, you know, Penix is a he's an interesting quarterback, dual threat guy. Could give Oregon some problems defensively, maybe. But with it being in Eugene, that's a super tough place to play. Are you gonna you you have to stop Oregon at some point, right? Like you like you're gonna have to get in somebody's way, and Oregon does not make that easy. And yeah, so so give me give me the Ducks minus thirteen and a half. I'll I'll ride with you here on on Oregon. Um, that should be maybe an interesting game. Keep an eye on it. So that takes us to our next matchup. We're heading over to the SEC, Dalt. Um, Lane against Saban. Father versus son. Father versus son. Uh, number nine, Alabama, 7-2, and two, traveling to the Grove, take on the Ole Miss Rebels, number 11 in the country in Oxford. They are 8-1. and one. 
Bama comes in as a 12-point favorite in this game. This is dumb. What? You, you taking the fighting lane trains? Yeah. Plus 12? Plus 12. I mean, Bama's going on the road. Bama has not, and I repeat, not played well on the road this year. And, yeah, Oxford can get kind get, of wild. They get drunk, and question, shit, shit happens. The real question is, will Lane Kiffin wear the white hoodie that he is, I think, 6-0 and in on the season? If now, he did was, you see that on if, Twitter? If he was smart, he would. He, he was 5-0, and and then he wasn't wearing it and switched at, like, halftime, I think, of their – LSU game? No, I don't think it was the LSU game. It was a game they ended up winning. And he switched at halftime oh, hoodies gosh. to the white hoodie, and somebody had made a graphic that he's like six and zero in the white hoodie on the sideline. So if he wears the white hoodie, yeah, take take the ribs. Well, as long as these motherfucking Bama players, like he did Texas A and M players, I <laughs> yeah. love it. I think that was the game. It was the A and M game. He switched. Did he? Yeah, because oh, yes. you know, they were losing at halftime. Oh yes. Yeah, That's... that was the game. Well, give me Ole Miss plus twelve and a half, and twelve, just, twelve, twelve. I'm yeah. sorry, just for the sheer purpose. They're going to lean on the Judkins kid. Yeah. Now, granted, it's going to be hard to run against that Alabama front. But the dark kid's mobile. That's kind of been a Saban. Saban problem. Saban, it's a Saban beater. I mean, it's that Brian Kelly gave you the formula. Bama fans get tired of hearing it, but it's just the truth. You, Brian Kelly gave you the formula. All you have to do is plug and play. You're a better play caller than whoever's calling plays for Brian Kelly. Make it happen. So give me Ole Miss plus twelve. I'll take Bama minus twelve. <laughs> just just to be different. No, I think I think coming off a loss. Oh, we said this. No, we no, said no, no, this. No, 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 no. We said this about them going to LSU. Well, they, I, they weren't coming off a loss. though. Yeah, but still, you have to show me. Now I am going to show me with that's, Bama. That's fine, but I, I I'm going to take. I'm gonna take the tide. I don't know. It just it just seems right, and I I could regret this, but yeah, give me give me Bama minus twelve. I, I think they're gonna win this game by thirteen. Yes, sir. Yep. Give me give me the tide minus twelve. And so, Dalt, that takes us to our game of the week. We're heading over to the Big Twelve. This is where game day is gonna be this weekend. We're gonna keep Austin weird. Game day loves Austin. Um, the number four. TCU Horny Toads, nine and zero, taking on the Texas Longhorns, number eighteen in the country, coming in at six and three. Like I said, game day is going to be there. Massive, massive game for TCU as far as their playoff implications are concerned. Um, Texas seven point favorite coming in. Do I even need to? I mean, do we? Do we want- I, I, I want to talk about it. Because here's here's where my biggest worry is. TCU is not a first-half team. They have not gotten off to a fast start in any of their games. Texas is a first-half team. The thing about Texas is that Sark has got to find a way to put the ball in the end zone in the second half. This is back-to-back games where he's only kicked field goals in the second half. He did it against Oklahoma State, and it cost us. We got lucky against Kansas State, and it didn't. Sark's got to find a way. The only good thing is, is I think Oklahoma State and both Kansas State have better defenses than what TCU do. I think that... I would say, yeah, Kansas State for sure. I think OSU, 
Well, OSU's defensive front's better than probably so, yeah. But and no, I'm not trying to no. get on OSU. Oh, tangent. I know. We know. We Calm know. Calm down, everybody. They're giving up 150 yards on the ground. And they're about to play the best running back they've faced all year against probably the best offense they've faced all year. Would you disagree? No, I would agree. I think Texas has to absolutely go for the throat in the first half. I think you have to completely demoralize them. And it's going to be very hard to do because this is a very good TCU offense yep. against a very suspect Texas secondary. And I mean, this is it's a it's a team that's kind of trialed and tested. They've kind of ran the gauntlet of the Big 12. I mean, you still have this game against Texas, but it's a team that, that has beat Oklahoma, come back and beat Oklahoma State, come back and beat Kansas State. Manhandled Oklahoma, which and, but and here's and here's the deal with all those games. Everybody is pointing at, oh my gosh, TCU is hurt. Yeah. Every starting quarterback the they quarterback faced. killers. Here's my thing. TCU didn't hardly lay a hand. They didn't I don't think they hurt Martinez. But but well he hurt himself and then they hurt Will Howard. Yeah. Well Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you look at what um who's the kid at West Virginia? JT Daniels. They didn't touch JT Daniels. Yeah. But JT Daniels never ran to put himself in harm's way. And that is where they have gotten to all these quarterbacks is when they break the pocket and try to run. Quinn is not going to do that. No. So Quinn if Texas can keep Quinn clean, Texas can easily win this game by seven. Quick aside on JT Daniels, if you are betting on sports this weekend, Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite at Morgantown. Take the Mountaineers, plus eight. Um, anyway, so what? what back, back to TCU Texas. Um, what? Uh, what? What I'm saying is, I'm going Texas minus seven. I think Texas jumps out to a big lead and then holds on at the end. It's, it's fair. I think kind of get to that redeal of what they did last year with Bijan. He touched it thirty times for like 216 yards is career high, you're probably going to get a lot of that. Yeah. He might, They might try to run him for 300 this week. Taking the Horned Frogs. I'm taking the Frogs. <laughs> and this is not – I'm not taking I, a I shot know. at Texas. You're just trying to get a game I'm back. I'm trying to get a game back. Be closer and and I could see them staying within seven. I, I, I like Texas to win this game. I do. I think y'all are playing good football. I think TCU's kind of just – Living on the edge. Yeah. Kind of do. They've played with fire way too right. much. Not yeah, to get you're going to get burnt. Um, but I, I think they could still lose this game and cover that seven. Quentin um, Johnson this week is in a walking boot. Right. So we don't know what Could capacity. be scare tactics. Right. Who knows? You, you never know. Uh, Sonny Dykes does some weird things. He really does. Did you see the video of them singing their fight song? Uh, it's awful. It's like, <laughs> they, like they say lickety, lickety, raw, raw, roo. It's the hypnotoad, man. Golly, I, they need to quit licking the hypnotoad. <laughs> so, I'll take TCU plus seven. And so, with that, we'll go over a quick, quick review here of our picks before we get out of here. Uh, UNC at Wake, you like North Carolina plus three and a half. I took the Demon Deacons at minus three and a half. Probably regret that one. Um, <laughs> LSU at Arkansas, we both like LSU minus three. UCF at Tulane, you like Tulane minus two. I like UCF plus two. Washington at Oregon. We both like Oregon minus 13 and a half. Bama at Ole, at Ole Miss. You took Ole Miss plus 12. I like Bama minus 12. TCU at Texas. You like your Longhorns at minus seven. 
I like the Horn Frogs at plus seven to round out our picks this week. Good, good, good week of college football. Should though. be a really good weekend. Of Got some football. some games that are going to show us a lot about some of these teams, maybe that are in contention for the playoff. Um, but I guess if if you don't have anything else. Hey, I mean, I don't. If I don't. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, you know, please rate us five stars, write us a good review, share the podcast. Uh, we're available on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, and Stitcher. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching the Cover 2 Podcast. Dalt is on Twitter as the Oki Longhorn. I'm on Twitter as myself, Tim Smithson, nothing special. And, uh, yeah, just uh, interact with us, share the show, tell your friends about it. And tell Dalt, them to tell their friends about it. Dalt, if you don't got anything else to add, I hey, guess we're out. Don't forget to cover the flats. Let's go. Hook them. <laughs>